0: Welcome to training from Scott Ross Online. Scott Ross is a highly sought after and internationally acclaimed personal development and leadership coach who speaks to more than 50,000 people a year. The same strategies he's taught top executives are available to you through programs like this one. We encourage you to take notes and listen to this audio multiple times for maximum results. And now, here's Scott. Welcome, everybody, to the Scott Ross Leadership Podcast. This is episode number 106. You're going to be able to find the show notes for this episode at scottrossonline.com slash 106. And I want to ask you a favor. Please subscribe to this podcast as well as rate it and review it on your favorite platform. I know in particular with iTunes, the way that they promote podcasts and rank them is based on reviews and and ratings. And so if you would do that, it would be a huge favor to me. We're going to continue with part two on something that we started last episode, and that is the establishment of boundaries. When we talked last time, we talked about the necessity for creating boundaries if you want to be really productive and effective. And we live in a world of mass distraction, an age of mass distraction where the tyranny of the urgent can take hold, where when we don't have established boundaries and we don't have pre-established rules in our minds for what does and does not get onto our property, so to speak. We gave that analogy last time. When we don't have those lines marked out that people will come and take all of our time from us and activities and things like social media and email will just suck the life out of us. And so we want to establish boundaries. And last time we began talking about not only how to establish boundaries for ourselves, but as leaders to help our organizations and the people in our organizations establish boundaries as well. And so we want to continue that. Where we left off last time, we were talking about the fact that boundaries need to be established to create a positive emotional climate, and we gave you some practical tips on how to do that personally and then how to lead your people to do that. By the way, I will link to the previous episode if you've had if you missed it in the show notes at scottrossonline.com slash 106. But I want to continue talking about creating boundaries around your dominant culture, the culture that you want to create within your organization. You've heard many times us talk about on this podcast before that culture is one of the most powerful factors in decision making and in behavior that exists. Almost all human behavior is linked at some point or to some degree to culture and cultural norms. And so you wanna establish culture in your organization. It's something you should be thinking about all the time. And so if we're going to create a culture, we need to have boundaries be part and parcel to the culture that we create. You know, I coach and train a lot of independent entrepreneurs and they often call and they want to talk to me about a hundred things that have nothing to do with actually growing their business. They want to know how this works or that works or this website or that tool and what to say in this situation or that situation, and many of these questions, again, have nothing to do with actually what it takes to grow their business. It's not about how to get in front of more customers. It's not about how to close customers. It's not about how to grow their teams. It's not about how to become a world-class leader. It's a bunch of other things, and not to diminish all these questions, but if I didn't have a boundary established, it would be very easy for me to sit and talk with them about that stuff for hours, and if I did, neither of us would be better for it. More importantly, I would have delivered a really terrible message to these rising leaders that that's the kind of thing you focus your attention on during income-producing activities or income-producing hours. But because I have a boundary... I either refuse to talk about that stuff or I will put that discussion off until a time when we're not in prime income producing hours. You know what? Let's just talk about that when we're at the party on Friday. Hey, really good discussion, but let's talk more about X and I take them to something that I know is an area for growth for them that will actually get them where they want to go. And what my people quickly learn is that if you want to know how to get in front of more people, if you want to know how to be more effective in front of somebody, if you want to know how to close, if you want to know how to lead, if you want to know how to communicate, if you want to know how to network, I'm your guy. Anything else, wasted call during income producing hours. I have that boundary established. So I would just ask you, What are some of the cultural things that you want enforced? What type of culture are you trying to create? And are you establishing boundaries that ensure that that culture comes to fruition? And are you facilitating things that lead your people away from the culture that you want? To create. See, it, I want my people thinking top of mind about productivity rather than activity. And so I have boundaries established to reinforce that we are all about productivity rather than activity. What dominant culture do you want to create? What dominant thinking do you want pervasive in your organization? And are you establishing boundaries that facilitate that, that lead you to that? Be cognizant of it. you know. We talked last week about having a time on your calendar where you think and where you meditate. This would be a very good question to ask yourself during that thinking and meditation time. What time today is that on your calendar? Is it on your calendar? If not, let's get it blocked out on the calendar for tonight or tomorrow morning and let's make that one of the thoughts that we meditate on. Another place we want to have boundaries is We want boundaries that align people to what they can control versus what they cannot control. And we've talked about owning your results many times. We talked about this again last episode. But something that's very important for leaders to understand and for successful people to really own, to take grip of, is that we want to be focused on that which we can control. And this is another place where I have a boundary is I don't get into discussions about things that are outside of my control. You know, I had this really awesome team member and they quit. And some people would may ask me, "Well, Scott, how do you, how do I get that team member back? How do I how do I get them to, you know, change their mind?" I can't control that you can't control that. You can only control the environment that they decided to leave. You can control going and getting a new team member. That's even better. Let's talk about that because that is what you can control. You want to come to me and tell me, well, my spouse does X. They really need to change. If only my spouse was blah, blah, blah. You can't control them. Wasted breath. You can control how you treat them. We can win them over with love. We can win them over with kindness, with grace, with faithfulness. We cannot make them behave in a certain way. So let's focus on us. What can we control? Well, you won't believe what she did. Uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, that I, I can't. Listen, I don't care what the person did. I don't want to hear any of the gossip. I care about what you are going to do moving forward. What lessons did you learn from this interaction? How did it go? What would you have done differently the next time? What established an environment where this thing you're worried about, this gossipy item, even came to pass. Can we change anything about that environment? These are things we can control. Set boundaries that align people to what they can control. Have conversations only about things that the person can control. As a leader, as a mentor, refuse to even go down the rabbit trail of talking about things that the person cannot control, bring them back to ownership, back to creating the outcome they want, creating the life that they want. That's what we want to do as leaders. By the way, you should have a giant fence in your mind that you're not allowed to personally cross, where you give zero thought energy to stuff you can't control. We're talking about doing this for our people as a leader, but I just know I see a lot of leaders that coach their people to do the right thing, but they personally aren't doing the right thing. Don't let yourself get a tape rolling in your head that's giving you all kinds of negative messages and all kinds of life-draining, you know, feedback about things you can't control. Focus your mind, you know, steal your thoughts against the luxury, if you will, of Going down a path of thinking about things you can't control and whining about things you can't control and getting bitter about the things you can't control. You can't control it. So let's focus on the things that we can control. That is a deal breaker. Set up that personal boundary for yourself. You know, I'll just tell you that as a a believer in Christ, I have uh, two firm convictions in this area. And one is that worry, worry is a sin, because worry is a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith that he's in charge and he's going to bring about the outcome. So I can't control every outcome. So I cast my cares on him because he says he cares for me. Focus on stuff you can't control or focus on stuff you can control. The other conviction I have is that to focus on things that you can't control is sin because it's poor stewardship of your resources. If you're expending time and energy and resources on things you can't control, that's a giant waste. You're just throwing it down a toilet. You're throwing good money after bad, metaphorically speaking. Let's focus on the things we can control. That's going to maximize our resources. That's good stewardship of our resources, and it's exactly what we want to do. Focus on what we can control. Okay. Another thing we want to do as a leader in terms of boundaries is we never want to rob people of their problems. What does that mean? Robbing people of their problems. Well, people are going to want you to take their problems. They're going to want to come dump their problems in your yard. And um, I was reading a book called Essentialism by um, Greg McKeown, and it's absolutely amazing book. I cannot recommend it highly enough. But in this book, he gives the analogy of You know, you've got green grass because you water your lawn and you've got sprinklers in your lawn and people want to come and try to take your sprinkler from your lawn and drag it over to their grass to water their grass all the time. This is a boundary that you need to have as a leader, is that when people want to bring you all of their problems and steal your sprinkler, you're just not going to let them do it. Do we help people? Absolutely. Do we mentor? Do we counsel? Do we love? Do we care? Yes, 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 and yes. However... Many people have their problems for a reason, and in a lot of cases, those problems are blessings in disguise. They are things that are going to be opportunities for that person to grow and become the person God intends them to be. And the worst thing we could ever do for them is rob them of that problem. You know, I was talking to um, uh, one of the top soccer coaches in youth soccer in America this past week, and What's really crazy is he was talking about this. Uh, we were talking about you know parents, modern day parents, and he said that you know there's been this idea of the helicopter parent that hovers over the child and you know tries to basically you know say nothing is their fault and just making sure everything goes easily for them. And the helicopter parent was always a problem, but now we've got this thing that he said is called the lawnmower parent. And the lawnmower parent goes in front of the child. And and mows down every obstacle and just tries to clear the way so that there is no challenges, no obstacles the child ever has to overcome. Well, we hear that and we think, oh my gosh, that's obviously a bad thing to do. Obviously, the child is going to grow when they have to overcome obstacles. They're obviously going to become a productive, uh, you know, healthy m- adult by having to figure things out in life, because that's what you have to do as an adult. And so taking away all their challenges is not doing them any favors. We know that as parents when we hear that. And yet I'm assuring you that there's somebody listening to this right now, and that's what you're doing for your kids. So, you know, I'd say cut that out, but we do it as leaders though. We have people bring us their problems and we feel this guilt, this need to take all their problems away from them, to just make it easy. And that's not what we're to do as leaders. That's not what we're to do as mentors. Mentoring and leading doesn't mean you take away their problems. Mentoring and leading helps them think about their problems in a healthy way, helps show them and point them to resources that they can leverage to overcome their problems. And it's encouraging them to keep growing through the process so that once they overcome that problem, they're in a a better place than they were before they encountered the problem. So don't rob people of their problems and establish a boundary for yourself where you're just going to refuse to do it. And you're not going to let yourself be guilted into taking their problems for them. Don't let them take your sprinkler and drag it over to their yard. You know, another thing that's kind of a related idea, but it also has to do with boundaries is become really, really clear on your personal values. Your values should be a foundation and a compass. To guide you. And if you don't have any core values, it is going to be very easy to be whipped about by the wind. You know, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, and ch- starting in verse 11, it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. You're thinking, well, I'm not a Christian. Why do I even care about this scripture? Well, just understand that Jesus Christ is the greatest leader of all time, and uh, it's indisputable, his impact on, on the world. And it says that he created this system where we've got these apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Now, these are the leaders in the body of Christ, in the church. And what are they there to do? They're there not to do the ministry. They're not there to do what the parishioner or the the person who is a disciple should do. Instead, they're there so that the person can be raised up into mature manhood and be the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is an unbelievable thing to say we could accomplish, that we could turn a person into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what a leader is there to do, by the way, is to mature your follower, to mature your disciple, not so that you do it for them, but so that they can do for themselves. And the reason this was Christ's Strategy is, is it's brilliant, is now we've got duplication. We should have millions and millions and millions and millions of people who all are at the same maturity level as Christ out in the world and just think what that would look like, the impact that would have on the planet. But now I say all this, I've kind of digressed into a little sermon that didn't mean to. Let's go back to the point because the, the point is about the values because he says all this in Ephesians, pa, the apostle Paul says, this is what we're to be doing for a reason. Here's the point. He says, we're there to attain unity in the faith the knowledge of the son of god mature manhood the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ so that so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes why are we here to be matured what's the point of maturation yes it's so that we can be imitators of christ but it is more To the point that we will not be tossed about by whatever comes our way. Our value system, our maturity will be clearly established and it becomes an anchor for our souls. This is what we are to be doing as leaders, both for ourselves and our people. If you are not clear on your value system and you are not maturing in that value system, you will be whipped about by whatever comes your way. And we just don't ever want that to happen. So become very, very clear. It will make establishing boundaries simple. It won't always be easy, but it will be simple. You will know what to do. When you reach a crossroads, should I go left or right? The compass of your value system will be there to guide you. Now, before I dive into some last thoughts, uh, I do want to talk about uh, this book, Essentialism, by Gre- um, Greg McKeown, and I can't recommend it enough, and we actually have a way for you to get this book free. You can get it absolutely free, no cost to you. You can be uh, listening to it immediately. All you got to do is go to Audible. Trial, audible trial, T R I A L dot com slash Scott Ross. Audible trial dot com slash Scott Ross. Audible has given us a great opportunity where you can get that book, or if you've already read that book, you can get any book you want for free instantly, and then you'll get 30 days to try the Audible service. And I cannot recommend Audible more highly. It is my favorite app on my phone. I'm listening to Audible material every day, whenever I'm in my car, whenever I'm waiting in line, anytime I'm standing still, and anytime I'm not doing something other that's, that's productive, I'm filling my brain with material from Audible. So go to audibletrial.com slash Scott Ross. You can get the book Essentialism, which is life-changing by Greg McKeown. Uh, you can get it free right now. You can be listening to it as soon as you hang up with this podcast or in this podcast, you can be listening. And then of course, you can get a 30-day trial to get even more material. And at the end, I think you're going to absolutely agree. It is a wonderful, wonderful service. So with that said, let's go back and talk about a few final thoughts on establishing boundaries. I've talked about the idea of social contracts before, and it is something that can play a big role in this idea of having a boundary. My organization has a social contract. Um, I encourage you to have one for your organization. And a social contract establishes the boundaries and the expectations for how we operate and how we treat each other. And it becomes easy to create accountability around the boundaries because no one feels like they're having something created out of thin air. Like, well, I didn't know that was an expectation. I didn't know that was a boundary because the boundary will be codified in the social contract. You know, like we have a rule in our social contract that says when there is a gap between your expectation and the execution by someone else that you believe the best, that you believe the best, that you give people the benefit of the doubt. If you expected something and somebody delivered something different or they didn't deliver at all, we always give the benefit of the doubt. We never assume that it was a negative thing. We never assume that they were ill intended or that they you know, blew us off or that they're irresponsible or any of those negative things. We always assume the best and then we go to them with the expectation of assuming the best and we go to the light. We don't let a, a tape start playing in our head. That's just an example of a social contract. You know, you might have a social contract that says that all meetings start precisely on time and that you don't wait for anyone. Uh, It just makes sure that people don't feel offended if they show up two minutes late and the meeting's already going. Well, it's in the social contract. This is what we do. You have in your social contract that emails, there will be no expectation of a reply to an email Any sooner than 24 hours, something like that, that allows people to not be tyrannized by feeling like they have to respond to every email. There's ways that you can establish boundaries within a social contract that everybody in the organization agrees to and blesses and then begins to operate by. And it makes it really, really simple to, again, enforce boundaries and have accountability. A couple last thoughts. Um. You know, the foundation is the most critical part of a house, and many of us give lip service to the things that are actually the most important, and so I want to talk about establishing boundaries around some of these foundational items, and it's going to go back to this idea of putting things on your calendar, but your health is essential. Part of your health is your sleep is essential, your relationships, your spouse and your children are essential. Taking time to think is essential. Taking time to reflect is essential. Prayer is essential. Deep work, as we talked about last week, the book by Cal Newport, Deep Work is essential. We need boundaries for all of these things, health, sleep, relationships, thinking, reflecting, prayer, deep work. Don't think that by setting a boundary where you turn off your phone and decline meetings and refuse to answer emails so that you can give attention to these areas is being selfish or being unimportant or uh, unproductive. Don't think that these things are anything less than the foundation of Of your house. If the foundation crumbles, I don't care how amazing the surround sound in the media room was, it doesn't matter. Nobody wants that house. Establish boundaries around these essential ingredients for your life. I want to read something from Greg McKeown's Essentialism to you. And uh, again, I highly recommend the book. You can get it free. Like I said, here's just some things that he said that I wrote down. And by the way, I may be paraphrasing a little bit. Some of these, these were notes I took to myself as I was reading the book. So essentialists, he calls the people who focus on the essential and get rid of the trivial many, he calls them essentialists. And I am now calling myself an essentialist. I've bought in essentialists see boundaries as liberating. They know that if you have limits, you will become limitless. Let me say that again. Essentialists know that if you have limits, you will become limitless. Essentialists set rules in advance that eliminate the need to say no because the rule is there. So you don't have to just say no because you've already got the rule. Now, on the contrary, non-essentialists think that if you have limits, you're going to be limited they see boundaries as constraining. Non essentialists think if they're strong enough, they don't need any boundaries. Essentialists see boundaries as empowering. They recognize that boundaries protect their time from being hijacked. Guys, I want you to be productive. I want you to get everything that you want out of this life. I want you to squeeze the juice out of life. I want you to just get every drop of success that you possibly can. And that is going to be that is going to come by enabling yourself, by positioning yourself to Focus on the essential few tasks, those 20% tasks that are going to produce 80% of the results. We got to know where we want to go. We got to know what tasks are going to be the essential ingredients to get us there. And then we've got to be able to focus. And so boundaries are going to enable us to do that. I hope that these last. Two episodes have really given you a lot of practical value in ways you can establish boundaries and some why, why you'd want to establish those boundaries. And I want to encourage you start today, start carving out stuff in your calendar, putting it on the calendar so that it is scheduled, because what gets scheduled gets done. Make your calendar your boss. Go out to audibletrial.com slash Scott Ross. Download Essentialism right away. You can listen to it today. You can have it finished within the week. And I would go right from Essentialism to Deep Work, the book by Cal Newport, which we talked about last week. So um, with that said, guys, uh, again, if you would go out and rate and review this podcast on itunes or on stitcher it'd make a huge difference to us and we just hope we're adding value you know talk to us via twitter uh, communicate with us on the website again we'll have all the show notes at Scott com slash 106 and uh, let us know where we can add even more value to you let us know what topics you'd like us to cover here on the scott ross leadership podcast and until then guys Next time, we'll be talking about – we've got a great guest coming up that's an expert in relationship building, how to go into an environment, meet someone cold, be somebody that stands out in their mind and that they would want to develop develop a big and deep relationship with that can enhance your career and uh, help you be successful. You're not going to want to miss that interview. But uh, until we're together again next time, guys, God bless you. I'll talk to you. Bye-bye. you have enjoyed this audio program for more resources to further your development as a world-class leader and for success strategies and tactics in all areas of your life please visit scottrossonline.com and be sure to connect with scott on facebook and twitter using the id at scott Ross